Good morning, and welcome to UCC Longmont. Whether you're joining us here on site or joining us online, whether it's Sunday morning at about 10.15 a.m. or some other day or time, we welcome you to this space and to this time of worship. My name is Sarah Verasco, and my pronouns are she and her, and it is a joy this morning, a special joy this morning, to welcome our interim conference minister, the Reverend Dr. Doug Wooten. Doug, we welcome you. And we look forward to hearing the word that the Spirit has placed upon your heart. And friends, as always, as we join together in community, we welcome one another with these words that transcend even our own impression of what they mean. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And continuing in that spirit of welcome and that sense of belovedness that draws us all here this morning, we often begin our time together with some breath of spirit to remind us of the presence of God that is always with us. And so this morning I invite you to place a hand right here, kind of where your heart is. When you put your hand here like this, it releases the same feelings and endorphins in your body as it does when you are given a hug. So let that sense of being hugged rest for a moment. As you remind yourself, I am a beloved child of God. In that place of belovedness, we breathe together. You are beloved children of God, and we get to remind each other of that in and through our words 
of song and celebration and message today. So know that you can return to that anytime you need a reminder or a hug. We do have children's church today. Any of the kids who would like to go to children's church are invited to do that. Lisa Biryanik is leading this morning. She is right there in the back. They just go right down the hall um, and they return before the end of the service to make it easy for them to connect with their grown-ups. This is a space for all ages. Uh, so kids are always welcome here in the sanctuary and there is a room in the back that they might be comfortable in. There's also a coloring table in the back and we expect some movement as people get re-comfortable and settle through the service. Let us rise in spirit and sing number 24 in our sing. We stand humbly in God's grace. <coughs> stand humble in God's grace to be in this place, to be in this space. I first of all want to thank Sarah for this wonderful opportunity to come and share with you. And I want to thank you 
for your attentive ear as I attempt to give to you what God has given to me. When the invitation went forward for the children's church, and they said that no matter what your age is, you're welcome, I almost went. <laughs> because that was my time to get out of preaching. That was my second attempt. My first attempt was when Sarah and I was in conversation this morning, and, and she gave me a powerful word from the Lord, a word that I needed to hear in this season in my life. And I said amen, and I gave the benediction, and I was ready to leave, but Sarah would not let me leave. <laughs> so I stand here today to give just a few words of, of hope out of the scripture of Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, where it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this time of worship. And now, God, we invite your Holy Spirit to be with us in this place. We ask, O oh God, that you hide me behind the cross, that these, your people, will see all of you and none of me. We thank you and we praise you. We give you glory. It is in the precious and the holy name of Jesus that we pray. And the church of the living God says, Amen. First of all, let me get just a few more uh, things out of the way before I actually go into the preaching moment. Uh, Sarah in, uh, introduced me as your interim conference minister where I have been called by God to serve you. Uh, and I want you to know it is because of your OCWM dollars that is making some of this moment possible. And we're grateful and we're thankful for the work that you do uh, for the wider church of the United Church of Christ, specifically the Rocky Mountain Conference. And I know that all of you have a prayer life. And I would like for you to include in your prayer life the Rocky Mountain Conference as we move forward to what God is calling us to be. Sometimes we cannot see, but God can see, and God knows. So I ask that you uh, include in your prayers the Rocky Mountain Conference. I'm trying to get all of my nervousness out of the way. So, in Sarah's email, Sarah says she wanted me to preach 10 to 12 minutes. So you can start timing. Ten, when, it, when I get finished, wherever 10 minutes is, is where, from the beginning is where I started preaching. <laughs> so thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I as a preacher, when I find a familiar text to preach, 
when the lectionary gives us a text to preach, a text that we learned in Sunday school, we, we tend to say, oh, I got this. And then when you start really uh, diving into the scripture, you go, oops, maybe I should have spent a little more time in the scripture. But when I saw this text, I, I really did get excited because it's, it's one of the things that I believe that, that we need to, to really take time to focus in on. We say it, we say it quite often, but how do we internalize this particular part of the scripture? How do we take it on? What kind of meaning does it bring to us? Most of us, when we are in our worship service, we, we share together the Lord's Prayer. And just last week, I had the opportunity to preach over in Wheatland, and in their Lord's Prayer that they recite together, they add in a few simple commentaries as they read it together. Now, they shared with me where they got the commentary from, but, but actually because I hadn't really figured out that I was going to need this for my sermon, <laughs> I didn't take note of where they got it from, so, so I don't know where to give the credit to, but it is not mine. And sometimes, yeah, I do give credit to stuff when it's not mine, but I claim that. It. So when they recite the Lord's Prayer, uh, when they say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, these words or this phrase is added. Your will be done, not mine. Help me to sense your, lead, your leading on earth as it is in heaven. Not just in my life, but in how we as humans live and love. I, I thought that was a wonderful way in, in helping those that may have come to church for the very first time and hearing the Lord's Prayer for the very first time. It was kind of a way of, of an explanation. And honestly, my siblings, I thought it was cool. And what I really thought, that, that it may help someone to have a better understanding of the framework of the Lord's Prayer. They actually added it throughout the entire prayer. But because we are focusing this morning on thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I just thought I would share that small nugget. So after Sarah asked me if I could share on Matthew 6.10, I began to look closer to the teaching of Jesus as he offered this to the disciples. Now, 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 now let me pause here a moment or put a comma here. Oftentimes, we think that Jesus is just teaching those 12 people but I want to remind us that, that Jesus is teaching all of us. Somebody say amen. Now, now, I may say that several times. That's just part of 
it kind of comes without me even thinking. But if I ask for it, just say amen. Nobody else ain't going to look at you. <laughs> so when Jesus says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I decided to do some snooping around in the scripture to see what I could find about the Lord's Prayer. So the first thing that I found, I found that Luke also mentions the Lord's Prayer. But when I looked at Luke, I noted that Luke does not include thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which, which honestly brought up a whole lot of wonder for me. But because I was called to do Matthew 6 and 10, I'm going to leave it and work with Matthew, Luke, um, at 6 and 10. And maybe I get an invitation to come back and preach Luke 11 and 2. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. So after looking in the scripture, talking about God's kingdom, my curiosity really, really just went crazy. I wanted to get a better understanding of this kingdom that Jesus is teaching his disciples about. That kingdom that Matthew and Luke was talking about. You see, when we look at this particular text, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we, we take notice that Jesus doesn't really give us a clear-cut definition of the kingdom of God. So I decided to do what most people will do. Can anybody guess? Googled it. <laughs> it seems like the world is hooked on Google. A lot of times my wife and I are traveling and riding and doing whatever and we come in a conversation and I don't know the answer, I say Google it. And so I did, I Googled it. And I actually found a decent answer that many people probably will settle with. And that answer was the kingdom of God is a kingdom that will be ruled by God's appointed Messiah who will be not just the redeemer of his people but, but will be their king. But because I knew that I was coming to Longmont to sit with Sarah, I wanted something a little more scholarly to reference to. <laughs> I knew the wisdom in the room had already Googled it before I did. <laughs> so I looked in Williams Barclay's commentaries, and Barclay gave me and whoever else would read it a better insight on understanding the kingdom of God. You see, through his studies, what, what he points out is, is the parallel of the Hebrew pattern of poetry is found also in this teaching of Jesus, which means that the second line 
explains, amplifies, and defines the first line. So you know what I did? I dissected it. I went back and I read from the bottom up. Somebody ought to say amen there. And when I read from the bottom up, I began to understand what Barclay was saying and, and how he was suggesting that the Lord's Prayer itself provides a perfect definition of the kingdom of God. In other words, the scripture began to interpret the scripture. Oh, somebody ought to say amen there. <laughs> Let your will be done as in heaven, so as it is in earth. So, the kingdom of God is a place on earth where God's will will be perfectly done on earth as it is in heaven. So because I have such a, a curious mind, it spoke so loud to me, what is God's will? You see, this happens when you start sermon preparation. You start getting into one thing, and then one thing begins to open up, and another thing begins to open up, and before you know it, it's supper time. <laughs> so I believe that God's will is this, is that when all of evil is destroyed, somebody ought to say amen there. I'm sorry, I'm just getting excited now. When all evil is destroyed, and God's will will rule in this broken world, and that God's will will overturn this, this hostile government, and God's will will, will overturn the anti-God perspective that brings division and suffering in our world today. A place that we can truly say that there is no more division. A place where we can go to church where there's not a center aisle and there's people sitting on this side and people sitting on that side. Somebody missed that. <laughs> when, I, when I made the decision to go and work towards my, I, th I think I'm getting ready to start preaching now. <laughs> if you're keeping the clock, I'm getting ready to start preaching. When I decided to go and, and work on my, my doctrine, I had, I had pastored a couple of churches prior to, and every church that I had been to, there was confusion and division in the church. And so I thought that it was a cool thing to try to build a thesis on finding God in the midst of division. I thought it was right cool that I would be able to find him. I did find God in the midst of division, but about halfway through, I figured out I had gotten into something I wish I had just left alone. But we are trying, and when God's will come, there will be no more division. We will live in a place where there will be no more crying. I believe that when God's will come, that, that God himself or God will personally wipe away our tears. Yes, we know that God is she and him. So when I say him, I'm not taking away from that. It's just 
I'm from the South. Somebody say amen. It takes a time to, to get things right. A place where it doesn't matter the color of our skin. A place where it doesn't matter what our gender is. A place where you will feel loved and a place where you will feel wanted. We see throughout the scriptures in the New Testament that Jesus talks a lot about God's kingdom. Matter of fact, one of the first sermons that Jesus preached is repent now for the kingdom of God is at hand. He also taught stories and, and called, that were called parables designed to illustrate what God's kingdom was like. Jesus believed and taught that through his very own life and death that God's reign will descend upon the earth and that his death and resurrection would open the doors of God's kingdom to all people. Thank you for the amen. He also taught that God's kingdom wouldn't come with power and authority until the second coming at the end of age. You see, Jesus' first coming, he establishes God's kingdom. Kingdom. He opens the doors to God's kingdom. He begins to invite people to come through these doors by trusting in him. And I believe, my siblings, we can live out the principle of this prayer, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we will receive God's guidance for the day when we pray. That will, thy will be done. We will have a blessed assurance that God will destroy evil and peace will reign forevermore. And the church of the living God says, Amen.